As well, we are, we're making some headway so far on this series called Unseen Power, uh, but it's funny, the further along we go, the more I just like, man, there is so much to cover. Um, this is a huge topic, but it is an absolutely necessary topic because um, when you think about it, it's abs- absolutely crucial um, to, to live out our Christian lives to know about the Holy Spirit. We have to know about Him. And so let's, let's keep plugging, let's keep going today. Well, last week we talked about um, the difference in opinion when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. And we talked about how there are some parts of Christianity that believe some of the gifts have ceased um, when we got the full collection of the Scriptures. When we had the full collection of Scriptures, some of the gifts, you know, we, they're no longer needed, they're no longer available to us. And those people who believe that way are called cessationists. Then there's another group of part of the Christianity that believe all the gifts are still available until Jesus Christ returns. And those people are called um, continualists. And right here within our own body of believers here at Whitestone, we have people on both sides of that issue, both sides of that discussion. And I mentioned last week that even though the official stance of Whitestone is the continualist point of view, no matter where you stand on the issue, the main point is, is that we love each other. We can disagree on issues, that is going to happen, but we are called to love each other no matter where we stand on an issue. So let's make sure that we do that. Amen? Now, I want to clear up something I said last week. I made a comment uh, that was, it was, I misspoke something, and I, I want to clear that up. Um, I said this, I said a basic reading of the Scriptures would lead one to believe the continualist point of view over the cessationist point of view. And then I followed that statement up by saying, and that's just the simple truth. Well, I should not have said that. Um, I misspoke in saying that, and I want to say I'm sorry about that. I, I certainly did not mean to do this, but I can see how someone could take it this way Um, In saying that, I may have conveyed the attitude that if you just read the Bible, the Bible will tell you the continualist point of view um, that it it is correct and the other isn't. And so basically, you're stupid if you don't believe the continualist point of view. And if that's what you walked away with last week, I'm so sorry. Uh, I'm sorry if I offended you. I certainly did not want to convey that to you. Uh, So please forgive my misspoken statement. Okay? Forgive me? All right, good. Now, uh, as I just got done saying, even in our own midst, we have people on both sides of the topic. We have cessationists and continualists in the Whitestone family, and that's okay. But I do want to say this. The official stance of Whitestone is that of a continualist. Um, We as a church in our statement of faith believe that any and all the gifts are available to every follower of Jesus Christ as the Spirit chooses to give them out. So having said that, I will be teaching from this point forward with that as my backdrop. So there will be some things that I say that cessationists will probably disagree with, and I understand that, and I'm sorry ahead of time. Uh, But as I mentioned last week, we still, and today, we still love each other in spite of the fact that we might not agree on this. So love will always be our foundation no matter what the topic is, okay? All right, today we're going to be inching our way further into the gifts of the Spirit, and... uh, Next week, I, I know I kind of promised that it might happen this week, but next week actually is when we're going to actually define some of the gifts. But we're going to be inching further, and we're going to end up in 1 Corinthians 12, which is the passage we looked at last week. But I want to kind of set the stage first for us. 
so that 1 Corinthians 12 will make more sense for us. Uh, we're going to kind of today is going to be a string of ideas that are going to kind of lead into the next, into the next, into the next, which will end up in 1 Corinthians 12, and hopefully it'll make sense when we get to the end. And so to do that, we're going to back all the way up to Jesus. And to start out with, I want to show you a passage in the book of Luke that tells us why exactly Jesus was sent. And to kind of set the stage for this story, Jesus is back in his hometown of Nazareth, and he goes to the synagogue on a Sabbath morning, and he apparently is the one who's going to read the passage. So the attendant hands him the scroll. It's from Isaiah. He opens the scroll, and he reads this to them. And he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. And he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And when Jesus got done reading, he rolled the scroll back up, he handed it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And it says in Scripture that every eye was focused on him. And then Jesus said this, Today, this Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, you heard this prophecy, this is talking about me. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, and I have been sent to preach the good news, to give freedom to those who are prisoners, to give sight to the blind, to release the oppressed. That's what I've been sent to do. And the Spirit is on me, and I've been anointed to do this job. This passage is talking about me. And what I'm wanting you to see this morning is that this, this was the job Jesus was sent to do. But notice... Having been sent to do it, he was also empowered by the Spirit to do it. Do you see that in the passage? Okay. Well, we're also going to see in the book of Acts, Peter gives witness to this very same thing. Remember when we looked in Acts, when Peter was talking to the Gentile Cornelius? Let me show you. This will refresh your, your memory. Peter says this in Acts 10. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Peter is telling Cornelius exactly what Jesus did while he was on this earth. Peter is giving witness to this. And then check how, what Peter says. I want us to take note of this. There's two things that stand out here. First thing, he says Jesus was anointed with who? The Holy Spirit and power. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. And second thing, he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Now, when you look at that passage and the passage before in Luke, it's very clear that Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and through that Spirit was given a power to go out and do all kinds of good, teaching and preaching and showing compassion and helping and serving and, and healing it, you name it. And he went around setting people free from who, for who those who were under the power of the devil. The Spirit gave him the power to do this everywhere he went. Okay? Is everybody with me so far? Okay, let's bounce to the next idea. 
And I'm going to take you to another passage that's going to appear to be repetitive, but there's a point in getting there. Let's look at Matthew chapter 9. It says this, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. All right, let's work through this passage. And I I want you guys to be part of this here. Tell me, what did Jesus do in every town and and, in every village? What What is the first thing it says? What does he do? He teaches in the synagogues, okay? Second thing, what does he do? Preaches the good news of the kingdom of God. And what's the third thing? He heals every disease and sickness. Jesus went around to every town and village teaching and preaching and healing all who were under the power of the devil. And this all flowed out of compassion because these people were oppressed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, check this out. Check out these verses that immediately follow this here. It's a familiar passage. Many of you have probably heard it before. But look at what Jesus says right here. He says, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus is going from town to town and village to village, and knowing how big this world is, he says to his disciples, guys, this harvest is huge. It's absolutely huge, and there are so few workers to go out and reap the harvest. So what do we do? We should ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. We need more workers. So Jesus says, let's pray for workers. So that passage is pretty self-explanatory. But tell me, Whitestone, second service, according to this passage, tell me then, what would these workers be doing in the harvest field? What exactly would their job be? Teaching and preaching the kingdom of God and healing all those who are under the power of the devil. Exactly. They would be doing exactly what Jesus was doing, which is teaching and preaching the good news of the kingdom of God and healing all those who are under the power of Satan. The workers would be doing exactly what Jesus is doing. The job doesn't change. Jesus is just saying we need more workers to do the job. Okay? Now let's move to the next idea. Let's sling into the next idea. If the workers in this harvest field are to be teaching and preaching and healing all those who are under the power of the devil through a heart of compassion, let me ask you, what exactly does every worker need? The Holy Spirit and power Every worker would need to be anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. Exactly. In other words, the work that Jesus began could not be continued unless the ones that are being asked to continue it were filled with the Holy Spirit and given power to accomplish the work. Guys, listen to me. The work of harvesting the field is humanly impossible. We need God's power to do it. And absolutely, that makes sense to us because that's why Jesus told his disciples in Acts 1 4, he says, Don't leave Jerusalem. 
Wait for the gift my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is very clear to him. He says, guys, don't leave Jerusalem until the Spirit comes, until you are immersed with the Spirit. And why is that important, Whitestone? Why do they need the Holy Spirit? Because they need power. And that's what Jesus says in the very next thing. In verse 8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You're, you're going to receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. And, and because you're going to be filled with power, you're going to be able to be my witnesses all over the world. You'll finally have the power necessary to go into the fields and harvest them. The workers will finally have the power. And that's what Jesus is telling them right now. Is everybody with me still so far? Okay, let's, let's move to the next idea. And let's fast forward to present day, to our time right now. And let me ask you a question. Is there still a harvest field out there? Yes. Are there still workers needed to go and into the fields? Yes, absolutely. The need for the workers is still great, and therefore, if there's still a need for workers, tell me, Whitestone, what do these workers need? The Holy Spirit and power. The job the early church had of carrying on the work of Jesus, the one that work he, that he began, is still going on. And we're being asked to carry it on. The torch has been passed to us. And just because it's 2,000 years later does not mean that we still don't need the Holy Spirit and power to go out and do the job. Of course we still do. The need of workers has not changed, and the need for power for those workers has not changed. As I said before, the job of harvesting the fields is humanly impossible. You cannot do it in your own strength. We need the power of God. Amen? Therefore, we need the Holy Spirit's work in our life. And guys, that's where the gifts of the Spirit come in. Now let me explain what I mean by that. And I want you to follow my thinking here. When Jesus was on this earth doing his job, think this through, who was the body of Christ? I know you're tentative to answer it out loud, but go ahead and say it. Who was the body of Christ when Jesus was on this earth? Jesus was. Jesus' physical body was the body of Christ. Okay, While He was on the earth, it was His body that was the body of Christ. And the Spirit of God anointed that body with power to do the work that He came to do. And something unique about Jesus is that He received the Spirit without limit. Okay? In John it says, For the One whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. Jesus got the Spirit without limit. There was no holding back. He got it all. So while He was on the earth, He was the body of Christ, and the Spirit was poured out on Him without limit. Okay. Now, follow my thinking. Now that Jesus is gone, who is the body of Christ? We are. Exactly. 
we now are the body of Christ. And because we now are the body of Christ, the Spirit is poured out on us, except not without limit on us individually. In other words, instead of being poured out all into one man, the Spirit is spread out among the entire body of Christ. The Spirit distributes His power and gifts among the entire body. We all have portions of God's power flowing through us. And all of this is so that the body of Christ will have the necessary tools to carry on the work that Jesus began. Does that make sense? Okay. Let me show you what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12. We're finally in 1 Corinthians 12. And Paul is basically saying this very same thing. He goes, the body is a unit. Though it's made up of many parts, and, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we all were baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now look at what Paul says a few verses down. Verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles. Also those having gifts of healing and those able to help others. Those with gifts of administration and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. And then he starts asking some questions, some rhetorical questions. He goes, are all apostles? Obviously no. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Obviously no. Do all have gifts of healing? No. Do all speak in tongues? Obviously no. Do all interpret? No. But eager, eagerly desire the greater gifts. He's basically saying everyone is going to have different gifts. Not everyone does the one thing. Now, why do I show you these verses? Very simply to say, all believers make up the body of Christ. And if you're a believer, you are part of the body of Christ. Each one of us is part of it. And each part plays a significant role. And that significant role is something the Holy Spirit has given to you. It is a supernatural impartation from the Holy Spirit to benefit the body of Christ in its job of plundering the kingdom of darkness and harvesting the fields all around us. You know, it looks a lot like the U.S. Army. It's a good analogy for us to look at. You know, when we watch the movies and we, we see those, you know, commandos that got the bandana and the camo face and they're all, you know, with grenades and everything and they're running through the jungle shooting bad guys, we, we picture that's what the U.S. Army is. But you know, the reality is those soldiers that we see on the movies, they could not do what they do without thousands of other soldiers doing their job. Like, for instance, loading up the food and trucking it to the base. Somebody has to do that. A soldier will do that. Some will haul fuel that then gets taken to the helicopter that takes those commandos to the battlefield and picks them back up again. Those guys don't make the movies. Some soldier is making food in a kitchen. He usually doesn't make the movies. Some soldier is cleaning up the bathrooms on the base. He most definitely doesn't make the movies. Some soldier is running the radio. Some soldier is fixing the radio. Another is a medic taking care of sick soldiers. And on and on it goes. Each part is trained to do their specific part. And if one part of the body doesn't do its job, the whole army suffers. Each plays 
a part, a very important part. And that's how the U.S. Army is able to protect this nation and beat back the enemy. Well, the same is true of the body of Christ. Each part is important. The difference is, in the body of Christ, it is the Spirit that distributes the gift as He determines. It's the Spirit who's going to give gifts to each person as He sees fit. 1 Corinthians 12.11 tells us this. He goes, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives to them to each one just as He determines. In other words, it's the Spirit who decides who will get what gift and when. He determines it. No one else. He will impart His power however and on whomever He wants to. Because He knows best how to spread the power on the body of Christ. We don't get to choose what gift that we get. It's really that simple. He chooses, not us. And we'll probably talk about this in upcoming weeks. But you know, something that really bothers me is when you read these books that try to tell you otherwise. I was reading a book once that was, the chapter was devoted to how to learn how to speak in tongues. Which tongues is a supernatural gift. And it was saying, you know, it's giving you all these steps of how to learn how to speak in tongues. Basically saying, hey, you want to speak in the tongues? I'll teach you how to get it. Buy my book. I'm sorry, guys, but that isn't even biblical. That's not scriptural. If the Spirit wants to give you the gift of tongues, He will. It's not something you train for or something that is self-taught just because you want it. No, the Spirit gives it to you. He imparts His power on the body of Christ however He wants and in all sorts of different ways. But listen to me here. All those ways that He imparts on us are supernatural. They're supernatural. They are not humanly possible. Let me show you some of this supernatural outpouring of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 12, 4 and 6, he kind of, if you, as I read this, I want you to pay attention to how there's three different kind of groupings of this. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Okay, do you see those three kind of categories there? Let's kind of unpack those categories because I, I think it's pretty cool to see this here. This will kind of show us the, the supernaturalness of it. That first one, there are different kind of gifts. What The Greek word for gifts is charismata. Don't turn the slide there yet, Glenn. But I want you to, if we break up that word charismata, it's charis and mata. Now, tell me, does anybody know what the word charis means? Grace. It means grace. Um, whenever, you, whenever you see that word in charis, any sort of forms of it, it's talking about grace. Now, tell me, guys, what is our definition of grace? It's God's power working in us to accomplish what we can never do on our own. So, charis, mata. Charis is grace. Anybody know what mata is? It's little portions of. So charismata is little portions of grace. 
And that's where we get the word spiritual gifts because they're little portions of, of God's grace, God's power working in us to accomplish what we could never do on our own. And it typically gets defined as spiritual endowments or spiritual gratuities, things that God gives us. They're supernatural. And they come from one spirit. They're all supernatural, but they come from one spirit. And there's all sorts of them, but they come from one spirit. Then it says this. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Now, the Greek word for service um, is called the diakonia. And does anybody know a word that we pull from that? Deacon, exactly. We get the word deacon, which deacon, simply put, is a servant. They serve the body of Christ. They serve the church. And, and, and this Words that there's just, in other words, there's different ministries, there's different areas of service, there's different offices within the body of Christ, but they're all, they all need the supernatural work of the Spirit to flow through them. They all fulfill the roles that, that God is wanting them to accomplish, and they come, as it says in the scripture, from one Lord. There's all sorts of them, but they come from one Lord, one source. Then the last one it says, there are different kinds of working. But the same God works all of them in all men. And the Greek word for working is energimata. Does anybody know what energy means? Come on, second third. Just take a while, guess. It means power. Exactly, it means power. What does mata mean? Little portions of. So this is saying little portions of power of supernatural power. And that's where we get a few verses down. It's miraculous power. It's supernatural portions of miraculous power. And there's all sorts of different ways that God works and displays His supernatural miraculous powers, but the same God, the one God, works all of them in all men. Now, what is this even saying? Here it is. There are various supernatural gifts. There are all kinds, of, all kinds of them, guys. All kinds of spiritual, supernatural gifts. There are various ministries. I mean, there's all different kinds of them all across the body of Christ. And there are various workings, all sorts of different supernatural workings, powers that God is doing. But listen to me. All proceed from one God, one Lord, and one Spirit. What is being quoted there? The Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The spring and origin of all spiritual blessings all flow from the same fountain and they have the same author. They come from God. However different they may be in themselves, in this they all agree they're all from God. He's the source of it. Now listen to me here. And all of them are to be used to bring honor and glory to God to serve his purposes and his desires not and listen to me here not our own the supernatural outpouring of God is to be used to further his kingdom his activity not our own amen the gifts are to be used for the purpose of extending God's kingdom 
The supernatural power uh, outpouring of God on his body is to be used for his kingdom, not Luke's kingdom, not Whitestone's kingdom, not your kingdom, God's kingdom. That's what it's meant to be used for. And we see so much of that not happening in the church across the world today. Whitestone, here's the, here's the deal. We exist for one purpose. To make disciples who understand and who live and who extend the kingdom of God. And guys, quote me on this. We cannot do that without His supernatural power flowing through us. We can't. Each of us are part of His body. And He wants to use each of us through the power of the Holy Spirit to be workers in His harvest. So here's my plea. Let's allow Him to do that in us. Amen? Let's do it. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much for these words. I thank You, Jesus, for Your example, how You came to this earth, and You didn't just do whatever the heck You wanted. You did what Your Father told You to do it, and You did it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, we're just supposed to do the same thing. So God, I pray that we might deny ourselves pick up our cross, and follow You. May we die to ourself and do what You want us to do through Your power. And Father, may we be a body here, each imparted with Your supernatural power, doing what we're supposed to be doing, not for our glory, not for our kingdom, but for Your kingdom. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.